It is so good to see you guys today. It is so good to see you guys today. I think um, in, in the middle of all of this, the, the thing that's been the hardest for me is have been a, the idea that um, I wouldn't get to see you, I wouldn't get to hug you, I wouldn't get to connect with you. Uh, so it's really good to be together this morning. So let me give you an update. Here it is. Here's our update. Uh, so uh, this morning or last night, we found out we have our first case in the county up in Paso Robles. Um, and we very much anticipate that, uh, that our county will go the same way that other counties have gone very soon, uh, which is that things will begin to shut down and that even gatherings like this are going to be discouraged. And so like a lot of our bigger churches who are not meeting this Sunday, what that means for us um, is that we're going to do church in a new way. So Sunday gatherings are postponed starting next Sunday. Um, and, and again, the whole idea here is to protect uh, our older adults, to not flood our emergency rooms and our ICUs full of people so that those people who are really truly sick can have their lives saved. Um, and that's, that's why we're meeting. And I know for, you know, if you feel young and healthy or it doesn't matter how old you are, if you just feel healthy and great, it's like, why not meet? Well, we don't want to be carriers of anything that when we do interact with those people uh, in our lives who are so precious to us that we would not in any way jeopardize them. So what does that mean for us? It means this. Um, this coming next week, uh, Tuesday men's Bible study will be postponed uh, Thursday, Women's Bible Study will be postponed. Easter Choir will be postponed. Our office is going to be closed for gatherings. This campus here will be shut down. Staff will still be in the office across the street, working very diligently during this season. Our workload is increasing, not decreasing. So we will be working very hard for your sake. Um, second thing this means is, uh, I love this, we have care teams um, that already, you guys have called... I like, you know, the phone's ringing off the hook. How can I help? How can I help? It's awesome. So can I just say yay for all of you? That's awesome. Um, so we are going to be uh, coordinating. A staff will be coordinating and creating care teams that you can participate in or that you can be able to go and help our most vulnerable people within our church and then within our community. Um, and you can provide them supplies and help in any way that you need. Um, so our staff will be coordinating that. You will receive an email update, or you can check our website, mycoastal.org, and we will connect you. Um, and we'll do the same thing with our children and our youth. So all of those youth and children normal activities um, will now be uh, coordinated through staff and uh, will be in some very small gatherings or in completely digital. I want to encourage you, um, reach out and ask for help. Uh, during this time. I got this text from Michael Simmons yesterday. Uh, he said, and, and lead us not into temptation. So, so Michael, Michael's been, he's been working on our, our pergola, our pavilion, and, and, uh, and he was about to steal toilet paper. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. We did a head count this morning. There's several missing. Uh, Hey, look, if, if you need toilet paper, you can have some of the church's toilet paper. 
So here's the really big important part. I think it's a lot of us want to provide help. Some, it's really going to be hard, though, for us to reach out for help. We have an entire church that is dedicated to help you. We have an entire church that is dedicated to help you in every single arena of your life. If it's delivering groceries, we will do it. If it's going to the grocery store, we will do it. We'll even fight for your mac and cheese, right? <laughs> Gently. Um, if, it, if it means delivering you medicine, we will do it. If it means helping you pay for a bill that would otherwise lead to disaster if you couldn't pay it, we will help you do it, okay? So you, have an, you are not alone. You have an entire church dedicated to your blessing and your survival and your thriving. And I'm so grateful for the church in these moments that we would not be lone rangers adrift in the wilderness alone, but we can be together, okay? Amen? Um, number three, like Paul said, we really do I want to encourage you to give faithfully. At some point, the federal government will bail out almost every entity or business um, in, in, this, in this crisis except the church. Uh, and so we, we, do need, uh, we do need you to give faithfully to the church. And by the way, thank you. Thank you for what you're already doing. Thank you for what you're already giving. We so appreciate you. Um, we need you to know that financially from the church's perspective, we're in our normal March slump, right? The giving goes up in January and then the middle of January to the middle of March, nobody, um, it, you know, it goes down, right? So we're at our normal minus $20,000. And then for the next four weeks, that's when everybody gives again, you know, and um, it's just kind of the way that it goes. It goes like this. And so we are counting, we, we were counting on these next four weeks to push us through to the middle of summer. Um, so your faithful giving makes a difference, uh, and it's, it's necessary. Um, you can give online. Um, if you've never given online, here's what, it, here's what it looks like. You go to mycoastal.org, and on the upper right-hand side, you have this Give button, and you click on that. And then there you can see how all of your giving makes an impact and amazing stories about what that all looks like and projects and ministries that we're supporting. And then down below, you'll see make a donation. And now you'll see how slow internet is on the Mesa. <laughs> oh, there it is. It's unbearable. <laughs> Please wait. Yeah, and so there it is. And so what you can do, this is all through PayPal. It's all uh, tax deductible. Goes, we're registered 501c3 on PayPal. Um, so you can give a one-time gift. Uh, or sign up for regular monthly giving, which is really what, what April and I do. It's so nice to be able just to say that we're, we're giving faithfully and we don't have to forget at any time. So please do so. Uh, finally, fourth, uh, next slide, Sydney. Um, we're going to be doing church online, as Paul said. Please turn in your email address. We're going to email you one to two times a week. We're going to provide for you sermons, worship like you experienced this morning, Bible studies, um, funny, wonderful videos. So it's, we want to keep you connected as, as, as much as possible. We will do everything that we produce, we'll put on YouTube, we'll put on Facebook, we'll put on our regular website um, so that you can get all the resources that you need. Um, also, Sunday worship and sermons each week will be uploaded uh, prior to Sunday so that you can, so next Sunday, I will preach and I will preach to an empty room, right? 
and, and you guys can watch online. Um, so we'll continue with our sermon series in David. Uh, we won't skip a beat. So I want you to know that that's still coming and that's still, still there. So check online uh, at mycoastal.org. You can watch all the sermons. You can go to YouTube uh, or watch it all on Facebook, either one. Every single generation has a moment where, where we get to be light in the middle of darkness, and this is ours. We've been so worried about our sort of national fabric of relationships, how liberals and conservatives are at each other's throats. And much like what happened after 9-11, we will realize as a country that we love each other far more than we could under, ever understand. And God is going to use this for incredible good because he's going to use you for incredible good. And so I'm just so grateful for each and every one of you and grateful for all of you who are watching online right now. And our goal is to make sure that every single one of us gets through this, uh, not just okay, but better than okay. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, as Paul prayed, protect all of us, Lord. We especially pray for Elisa Flynn this morning as she's doing health care and Hillary Morin as she, next year she'll help so many people get tested and Serena Grants as she works at Sierra Vista and so many others who are on the front line of our health care industry. Protect them, bless them, protect their families, bless their health. God, we pray for all, every single prayer this morning that we've had, both of, Lord, make this end tomorrow and how long, O oh Lord? And now as we open up your word, we pray that you would meet us in this tender, holy moment. Break off shackles that have been lingering for too long. Set us free, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And all God's beloved saints said? Amen. So uh, we're in the middle of David's life. And uh, last week was David and Bathsheba. And so instead of talking about how Nathan is going to confront David this week, I thought we might read one of David's psalms, Psalm 27, a psalm that was written when David was freaking out. He was surrounded by threats on every side. He felt overwhelmed, unprepared, um, stressed, and we can all relate with that. Amen? Amen? So let's read together God's word for us this morning, starting in Psalm 27, verse 1. Let's read. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Now notice David's first word right off the bat. It's the Lord. Um, this should be in all capitals in your Bible. And that's because this is God's name in Hebrew, Yahweh. Yahweh in Hebrew means savior or the one who saves. Now when you transliterate the Hebrew Yahweh into Latin, Yahweh turns into Yehovah, Jehovah. There's no, there's no J sound in Hebrew, and so it becomes Yehovah, or in Latin, Jehovah. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, if you were to also transliterate Yahweh then into Old English, Yahweh turns into Yeshua. Again, same name, just transliterated from Hebrew into Old English, or Hebrew into Latin, Jehovah. Here it's Yeshua. If you take Yeshua and translate that into modern English, this is what you get. 
Yezu or Jesus. Jesus literally means the one who saves. If you were to translate this into a common Hebrew name, it would be Joshua. Okay? Do we have any Joshua's here? I don't think so. Next time you see a Josh, tell him. You know what your name means? And then don't tell him the answer. <laughs> so what's the point? The point is this, that David could have used another one of God's names, like Adonai, which means powerful one, or Lord, or El Shaddai, which means mighty or strong one. El Shaddai literally means mountain. So God is our strong mountain. David doesn't. He uses Yahweh for a very specific purpose. David is asking God to save him, to rescue him, to deliver him, and not, not like deliver food to him, but like to find him in his place of great need and pull him out of that place. So David is saying this, God, all around me is confusion and darkness. All around me are threats which could take my very life and ruin everything you've given me. And I can't see the threat. That's why he says, Yahweh, you are my, which means he's in darkness. And he can't understand exactly what's happening all around him. So he says, look, I can't see the threat, and therefore I, can't, I don't know how to save myself. But guess what? You can. You are my salvation. Yahweh is my stronghold. That's literally a fortress. So I don't need to be afraid of any threat. I love this psalm for us right now. On Thursday, when the, when the virus took hold and then Governor Newsom said, hey, we're, we're going to ban everybody over 250, uh, all gatherings over 250, immediately I knew that, that life would change dramatically and drastically for our church, but also our society. And then like dominoes, every sports event and every major event just started, gatherings started, uh, started falling. And it was um, Thursday, I, I, I felt anxious and afraid and full of grief and at the exact same time full of hope and confidence. It was just really strange. It was really, really strange. Uh, I found myself arguing both sides. This is not a big deal. Why is everybody freaking out? This is just the flu. And then at the exact same time, I'm like, the world is going to end. We're all going to die. <laughs> Did you? Can you relate with that? And then there was another part of me that was like, you need to panic and freak out and buy more toilet paper. And then another part of me was like, you're going to be fine. Church has got plenty of toilet paper, unless Michael takes it, right? Like, you, you, can, be, you can be hopeful, right? All that. Um, and I, I think it's important that when, when we find ourselves uh, litigating all sides of an argument, that means that it's a little bit too big for us to wrap our arms around all at once. Does that make sense? So when you find yourself arguing all these different points, it means it's big. It means it's serious. And that's okay. That's okay. Because when you're in the dark and you're kind of bumping around and by braille feeling out how big this thing is, the one thing that we need to see beyond anything else is that God is our light. And that what David is teaching us to do is the first thing as we try and wrap our arms around this isn't, isn't to panic that we can't figure it all out. It's to say, 
Oh man, I, I need someone who can see the whole picture and his name is Jesus. Only Jesus can illuminate the darkness and help us see. Fear loves the darkness. Fear loves confusion. Fear wants to paint a picture in which Jesus is absent in the future and everyone we love is sick and dying and everything that we work for has turned to dust. That's what fear says. But in the presence of Jesus, fear sounds ridiculous. Hidden in our Savior's perfect love and strong arms, fear is cast out. Read this with me. Jesus helps us actually see the landscape before us. There is a real threat out there, and at the same time, we are safe in our Savior's arms. Amen? Amen? So um, faith um, isn't wishful thinking that nothing will harm us. That's really important. Faith isn't sort of our emotional opiate, right? Faith isn't wishful thinking that nothing will harm us. Faith is trusting Jesus so that we can love and care for others because we're filled with his hope, even in the face of a hurricane. Amen? Amen. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So David makes a request in verse 24, uh, verse 20, chapter 27, verse 4. What's the request? That he may dwell in the house of the Lord. What is, what, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. What does that mean? It means this, David wants to have an experience. David wants to feel God's presence like he's right there with God. Can anybody relate? David wants that God's beauty and love and care, literally the weight of his presence, his very nature and character would outweigh fear and stress and anxiety. Can you relate with that? Yes. I, have a, I have a dear friend. His name is Joe. He's six foot three. He's sleeve tattoos. He's a surfer. And he's a, a bundle of joy. And wherever Joe walks into, he's like this laid back San Diego surfer dude. He's, I went to seminary with and pastor friend of mine. And whenever Joe walks into a room, he's like, Hey, man, what's up? How's it going? Dude, totally. He's got these big, long arms because he's a swimmer like Michael Phelps. And he gives you this big old hug. And you're like, oh, I'm doing OK. And he's like, don't worry about it, man. It'll be cool. Come on, let's just go talk to Jesus about this. This is awesome. And you're like, OK, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Like Joe's like, you just like see. And like he's got like, like literally Finding Nemo crush, you know, the turtle. Like tubular man, like that. He's got like all these turtles on his arm. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it, dude. It's like, it's all okay, man. And like, like Joe's presence, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I feel better now. <laughs> That's what David's praying, right? And you know those people. You walk into the room and you don't feel that way around them. You know, they're anxious or they're worried or they're afraid or they're negative. And David's like, that's how I feel right now. And I need 
I need Joe to walk in the room. I need, I need Jesus to walk in the room, right? So that's what he's asking for in verse 4. So verse 5, what is he going to do about it? Verse 5, for in the day of trouble, read with me, for in the day of trouble, oh, how interesting. What is David doing? He's doing what we call exchange work. Here's my problem. Here's my fear. And instead of living into that fear, I'm going to declare the truth. So bad out, good that's how exchange happens. Bad out, good in. And that's what David is doing. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, which is literally the holy of holies. The sacred tent is not a really nice, like, marmot four-season tent. It's the tent of meeting, the, the tabernacle, the holy of holies. And what is in the sacred tent, the holy of holies? Do you remember? God's presence Remember, David danced before it in his tidy whities when it entered into Jerusalem? The Ark of the Covenant. And what is the Ark of the Covenant? Other than the most powerful tool on planet Earth that David has ever said, right? It's like being right next to the thing that will always make you safe. And what is he saying? Even if I freak out, he's going to hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me it will be as though no thing or no fear or no virus or no army or enemy will be able to get me. I'll be safe. So can we follow David's example and do some, some exchange work? Okay, here we go. Ready? Here, I'm going to read it first just so that you know what you're getting into. Jesus, this crisis shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but you are with me. Some of our younger, yeah, some of our teenagers are like, what's a kidney stone? Just wait. I reject the lie that I will be exposed without resources, without help. I reject the lie that my friends and family will be exposed without resources, without help. I receive the truth. You are my fortress. I am safe with you. I am protected, provided for, and not alone. You all right with saying that? You all right with praying that? Let's do that, some exchange work. Ready? Here we go. Jesus, this crisis shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but you were with me. I reject the lie that I will be exposed without resources, without help. I reject the lie that my family and friends will be exposed without resources, without help. I receive the truth. You are my fortress. I am safe with you. I am protected, provided for, and not alone. Good job. Let's keep on reading together. Verse 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Notice that David's hope isn't about all the good things that are going to happen when he's dead and in heaven. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that our trust in Jesus is about what happens when we die, and therefore we're, that means that in this present tense reality, in the land of the living, that we start becoming cynical, right? Well, yeah, God's going to protect me when I'm dead, but now I'm, well, it's all, I'm alone. It's all up to me. 
So we end up operating as though we're alone and that everything is up to us. You see, if, if Jesus only helps us as after we die, then we'll end up twisting ourselves in knots in the present tense and end up like a guy named Roger Bucklesby. You've heard of Roger Bucklesby, haven't you? In his will, he commissioned a bench in a London park and attached a plaque. <laughs> this is in a North London park in memory of Rogers Bucklesby, who hated this park and everyone in it, in case you're watching online. In reality, this plaque is a joke. It was put there by an author named Jamie Maslin, who in 2013 attached this plaque to the bench because of how of his, it was his cantankerous mood. Jamie um, was an author who had written two books, poured blood, sweat, and tears, bled through his fingernails to put words on paper, and he had sold a, a grand total of 35 copies of two books. And, and as he was about to emigrate back to Australia from whence he came, um, he, was, he was so irritated at his failed attempt at becoming an author in London that he wanted to create a plaque that would perfectly express how he felt. <laughs> and thus was born Roger Bucklesby, <laughs> who hated this park and everyone in it. <laughs> See, Jamie, Jamie was twisted up in knots because he felt utterly alone. He felt like, man, nobody's here to help me. And he felt just so sad and frustrated and like, Everything that he was working for was falling apart. And that's the fear that we face right now. Here's the truth. Our hope is Jesus. And he is here in the present tense, in the land of the living. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now here's what's really important during this time. Your friends, your neighbors, your family members, your spouses, your kids, everybody around you, they desperately need to see that this truth is real in your life. God is literally giving them a gift, and it's your presence and you believing and living this truth out. They need to feel your peace. They need to hear your joy. They need to sense your hope. They need to hear you process, yes, I'm afraid, but I'm not going to live in that fear. They need to hear you process, I'm concerned, I don't know what to do, but my hope is in Jesus. And therefore, I don't have to shove people out of the way at the grocery store, I can trust. See, their fear outweighs their hope. And God is sending you in this season to be evidence that Jesus is in the land of the living. David ends Psalm 27 with this final word. Read with me. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So literally, what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks and months is waiting. We're not very good with waiting. We like to do stuff. We like things to move forward. And not a lot of stuff is going to move forward in the next couple of weeks or months. So how do you want to wait? 
You need to answer this question out loud right now for yourself. How do you want to wait? I'm going to give you some options. Ready? Here we go. You could wait with panic. So you could push others out of the way to get what we think we can't live without. You could start preparing for the roving bands of armed marauders who will take your toilet paper. <laughs> Do you want to wait with panic? No. Y'all, answer out loud. Do you want to wait with panic? No. How about this? You could wait with mild worry. Uh, you know what that means? That means that you're constantly glued to your television or phone, constantly looking for, for more bad news. You know that you're waiting with worry when it's mildly exciting when you see even worse news than you did last hour. Can I confess that guilty sin, right? <gasps> they shut Spain down? Oh, no. Oh, wait. Why am I excited about that? Right? I can't wait till they close down Fresno. I'll never have to go back. Uh, we, uh, waiting with mild worry is perseverating about all the money that you might lose, which means that you stop being generous. Waiting with mild worry means that you sweat all the details, even though that doesn't do anything. So what that means is that then you start living with a short fuse and all that, what that means is that you're actually committed to living as though you're utterly alone like an orphan, totally absorbed in what's having, happening in your own navel. Oh, no, it's growing, right? Do you want to live or do you want to wait with mild worry? No. Some of you didn't. Some of you were like, hmm. I mean, maybe. Could I, do, could, I, could I pull out mild worry every once in a while? That's a question you got to ask yourself. What tools do you want to use? I mean, you could, just choose, right? you got to wait. And you'll slip into behavior patterns and, and, and stuff that you've done before, but you always are free now to choose to pull yourself out of that and make a different choice. Or you can wait for the Lord, you can wait with the Lord. We can be strong. We can stand firm. We can hold on to our hearts and our Savior and our family and our friends and our church. We can even reach out to our neighbors with love. And y'all, that's what you're doing right now. Good job. Good job. Keep on going. Don't stop. Don't shrink back. Reach out when you get afraid or lose heart. You're not alone. You are the proud owners of a staff. You literally have half a dozen people working for your blessing and best during this process. Isn't that incredible? Well, actually, wait, wait. Maybe it's... Maybe you're worried. Maybe that's why you're worried, right? These knuckleheads are running it. Oh, no. But I know that's not the case, right? You're, you have a staff of people who are dedicated to your blessing and your best. So I want you to reframe how it is that we're going to do church. I want you to reframe 
how it is that this entire situation can be viewed. You get to wait. Receive this gift, the gift of waiting, and wait with Jesus. So could we declare some truths that we've learned today? Here it is. Declare them out loud. Come on, make, make it loud, too. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I will not be afraid. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. I will not live in fear. Jesus, more than anything or outcome, I want your presence. I want your beauty to outweigh all my fear. Take a breath. Jesus, I'm confident that I will see your goodness in the present tense in the land of the living. Take a breath. Lastly, Jesus, I will wait with you. I will wait for you. I will stand strong with you. I will wait. You know why? You know why we say these things? That's because that's what Jesus has done for each one of us. He waited. He waited on the cross until all of our sin and all of our rebellion and all of our foolishness extinguished his life. And then he waited in the grave until our heavenly father raised him back to life. And he's waiting with us right now in every single area of our life, every single moment of our life. Jesus is present with you right now. And he's not panicked. He's not freaking out. Because our God saves. Our God saves. Amen? Amen? Lord Jesus, would you bless and seal this good news into our hearts right now? Would you fill us with your peace and your presence? Would you protect us? in the days and weeks to come. Lord, people we know will get this virus. We pray for protection on their life, their health, their lungs, their immune system. Save us, Jesus. We trust you. We wait with you. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand for the benediction? Brothers and sisters, I can't wait to give you the benediction the next time we meet. This is a sacred moment for me, and we will meet again. Amen? Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's beloved saints said, God bless you all.